welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Wellington, New Zealand, I'm Dave Wood, and joining me from Devon, England, is Dave Knott. Okay, okay, so your your workflow situation, what's been driving you to kind of think about it and look at it? Um, mostly, uh, kind of, given our recent episode about me shutting up shop, um, I figured now's a pretty good time to reevaluate a few things, in, in particular workflows and tooling and, and things like that. So obviously I've got my iMac, 5K iMac, and a 2010 MacBook Pro that's still going. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, you know, I, I love working at the iMac, but I also want to accommodate my laptop in a better way. Um, yes. Obviously it's handy for travel which is how I'm using it right now because I'm away for the weekend. So I've kind of set up a sort of temporary recording studio. Um, and also just the way life is. Sometimes it's not it's not practical to take myself away upstairs to the office and lock myself in. But it is useful to be able to flip open the laptop and kind of stay involved with what's going on sort of around the house as well. Um, so yeah. I guess really the issue is, is that prior to... Or what I've been doing with reevaluating all this stuff is, is that my MacBook would essentially be like a second class citizen. So every time yep. I'd go to use it, there'd be some form of overhead in terms of like setting it up again to make it sort of bring it up to the, the level that my Mac was at in terms of like the tooling that it's got installed, um, the files that I need for, for stuff. Um, the, issue gotcha, was, yeah. the issue was, I guess I was just busy doing other things and it never really was that much of a priority to properly put a solution in place. I kind of did that thing where you've, you just keep muddling through. Um, even yep. even though it's really not that difficult to sort this out, it's just kind of, oh, I'll, I'll do that later, I'll do that later, I'll do that later. Um, and I figured now is a pretty pretty good time to actually just like stop and think about this stuff and get something in place. I think, I think what you're describing there is actually not too uncommon a situation. So, you know, you've got your desktop machine and then you've got a satellite laptop and, you know, you do the same things on both. Uh, but there's, you know, kind of good reasons for you having the, the power of the desktop um, and not just sort of being all in on, on a laptop 100% at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I think equally, obviously, you know, you've got both of these machines now as well. So, that you know, use what you've got to hand. Um, a replacement in the future, you might think about consolidating down to a single machine or something like that, but that's not where you're at at the moment but yeah i don't think it's too uncommon a situation and i've I've had this this kind of thing in the past as well um at one point i had i actually had a mac mini that was my sort of desktop machine and i had a um a macbook pro which was at the time we were talking around about uh 2010 2011 sort of time so both machines were called two duos and the macbook pro was like the last of the um the sort of um, older kind of design before the the unibody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was early two thousand and eight. Um, the MacBook Pro had a very distinct use. It was at the time I was using that for performing video. So that that was my my video mixing machine. I had VJ uh, programs on there, and, and all of my video content that I would play when I was out um, was configured ready to go on that machine. So I could just chuck it in a bag, um, you know, and, and that was it. And I had a had a bag sort of set up with all of the um, all of the connectors and everything I needed to, um, to connect to different types of, of video output bits and bobs. You know, it was a go bag. Um, 
what happened after a while is I had the same sort of issue where, you know, I've got stuff on one, stuff on the other. One's being used for sort of, actually, the um, development sort of started going on um, on the Mac Mini. Um, and then I had a very similar sort of uh, thing as yourself in that I was kind of using the MacBook Pro when I was sat downstairs and I would find myself sort of going back to dev projects and, and everything, you know, have to go and download them. I think I was physically dragging stuff over the network from the Mac Mini down to, to the MacBook Pro because I wasn't really using um, version control and that sort of stuff for the projects I was doing at the time. Because this is a long way back in the projects I'm talking about were, were things like um, playing about with processing sketches that were making like generative video and that sort of stuff. Um, so they weren't sort of full-blown proper projects. Right, yeah. Um, so I could sort of get away with that. I guess what I'm saying is I, I can relate. I've kind of been there with two machines before, um, and it's always a juggle. And I actually think these days maybe there's this kind of technologies and things that um, that make this a little bit easier. I mean, I don't know if that's something you've sort of found that you've kind of got a system on the go now with, with the, uh, the different types of synchronization and things that you might be using. Yeah, so I think I've arrived at a solution, although I should kind of qualify that by saying... This is kind of very early days in that I'm like three or four days into this solution. So it's kind of subject to change if I find it's not working out. Um, but I kind of looked at what I needed. Um, I needed to kind of have between my MacBook and my iMac. And that broke down into iOS development. So kind of Xcode projects. Uh, design work, which is typically done in Affinity Designer in my case. My web development yep. stuff which kind of requires, you know, servers, MySQL servers, all that kind of stuff, um, and sort of recording and editing this podcast. So those are like the four the four things that I needed to find a solution to kind of make jumping between machines easy. So the iOS dev stuff and the design stuff was pretty easy. Something like Dropbox would essentially solve that. Although I've decided to give iCloud Drive a go, given that, I already pay for 200 gigabytes of iCloud drive storage um, just because I needed some extra space for photos. But I've actually got over 120 gig left. And looking at it, Dropbox looked pretty expensive these days. Um, I don't know whether I was just like looking at the wrong page or something, but they wanted like £8 a month or £7 a month for a terabyte of storage. I mean, I don't need a terabyte of storage, and nor do I want to pay £8 a month. I was hoping to maybe pay like two or three and maybe get 100, 200 gig, something like that. Um, yeah. Which I thought they used to do, so I don't know if something's changed there. I mean, it's years since I've probably looked at Dropbox, but yeah, that I'm was not a... sure. I stopped using Dropbox because they kept messing around with the um, accessibility controls. Yes, I remember that now actually. Yeah, um, so I, I kind of rage quit with them after I discovered that they were sort of monkeying around with that. It was a real kind of dark pattern uh, UI sort of thing as to how they they kind of managed to present a dialogue that sort of let you say okay you know and then to turn it on right so i was very very unimpressed and deleted it told them i was unimpressed and haven't gone back um i don't know if things have changed in the last sort of 18 months two years mm, okay well we'll come back to dropbox because it's going to come back into uh, mm. the conversation in a little bit actually but, okay. but as as of right now i've got my xcode projects in icloud drive but i've also got git running as well so i'm still using version control but it's quite nice that if, say, I check out a branch on my iMac, it's then kind of checked out on my MacBook because it then syncs over over iCloud Drive. Not sure if I'm going to run into any problems with that kind of th- you know like unexpected consequences because you're kind of throwing in throwing in sync on top of Git as well. So I don't know if there's going to be any weird things happen there. 
probably comes down to where you're pushing those commits up to and whether you're using a hosting service yes, or I am. not. Yeah, yeah, I am. So, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, with Affinity Designer, it creates a library within iCloud Drive anyway where it can store its files. So that all syncs across nicely, right. which is cool. I went through a phase, actually, of storing my design files in the same repository as my Xcode files. Um, so if I yep. was like making a new app, would keep all the design files within within all that, so it's all together. Um, but I think a degree of separation works best. I don't really feel like I need version control for my design in the same way as code. Um, yeah, just a simple sync between machines, I think, is enough. In my case, it might be different for others, but in my case, I think it's that's, that's fine. Um, and annoyingly, you know, you, you kind of like move one UI element by one pixel, and then that would like mean that you. It would come up saying, "Oh, yeah, you know, this is a file that needs to be committed," and it's like, "Oh, I don't really need to," and <laughs> just kind yeah, of little an thing. entire binary blob. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit hesitant about using iCloud Drive just because it's iCloud. If you know what I mean, <laughs> there's part of me that would be more comfortable if it were Dropbox, despite what you just said. Um, but so far, it's been pretty good. Uh, see, I could see the point in kind of it being both, you know, or having another service in the mix. So, I mean, with your code, you've kind of got that in terms of having version control and things being pushed up to a Git repository. So that's in one place. But then you've also got the iCloud like local copy mm -hmm. of everything you've got checked out. So it means you've got more than one uh, more than one spot for these things to live. You know, if you lose iCloud, well, you've got your, your Git repo to fall back on. And vice versa, you know, if you lose Git, well, you've, you've got um, whatever you had checked out last on your machine. Yeah, sure. Um, in theory, they they don't go at the same time, and you can take other measures, especially if you're using like you know, time machine or something else to back your machine up as well. Then you know you, you've kind of very well covered after a point with with just those mm. kind of two things turned on and that. Um, with your designs, I guess if you're only using iCloud, then yeah, you probably want to think about what the backup strategy is there as well. Uh, yeah, I mean it'll be Backblaze in my case. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm using Black, Backblaze as well, um, and actually I'll, I'll, I can touch on that in a bit, um, but I, I've kind of come back to it after a little bit of a hiatus. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, iCloud Drive seems to be okay. The only thing I wish there were was like a a big sort of sync now button. Just, you know, I can click it and be sure that it's done a sync and everything's up to date, because at the moment it feels a little bit like I'm out of control and I just have to wait for it to, to sync. So I feel a little bit at its mercy in some ways. Um, yeah. But like I say, if it doesn't work out, I could just like look at something like Dropbox instead for this stuff. But I think, I think I'm going to stick with it for now. So it seems, seems like it's working quite well. So what does that leave? That leaves the podcast and web development. So the podcast is pretty simple, although it's more, it's more anchored to my iMac in that I've got a three terabyte drive hooked up to my Mac by USB where I store sort of all of all of this podcast stuff. So that would contain the mic audio, GarageBand projects, wave exports from GarageBand, encoded MP3s that we've made from the wave files, video files that get uploaded to YouTube. Um, and for the most part, I do any podcast editing is done exclusively on my iMac. Once or twice a year, I might be away and need to pick up some of that on my MacBook um, in terms of like the yep. editing. Um, recording's not so bad. It doesn't really matter so much if I record on my MacBook. Um, but like I say, I can usually plan ahead and just copy the files I need for my MacBook, or again, hop onto Backblaze and get them that way, if I if I really yep. am stuck. So I don't think that's a big deal. The biggest one was web development, because it's made a lot harder, because you kind of need um, like web and database servers on your Mac running to do local development. 
so yeah, this is like the, the biggie that I've gotten around and around and around okay. in circles on. Um, so I started out using Vagrant and VirtualBox. Yes. Um, yeah. But experience has kind of taught me that this method can take quite a bit of maintenance. Yeah, I've found that in the past. Yeah, especially if you say reprovision the Vagrant box and you wanted to say add another site to your box um, using something like Puppet and then uh, reprovision it. You might need to upgrade Vagrant or upgrade your virtual box and keep in mind that this all has to happen on two machines as well if you're running two machines, as is the case in my case. And it's great when it works, but I've, you know, I've lost too much time kind of debugging it in the past. Um, <laughs> so I, I kind of just want something that, that works mostly most of the time, ideally um, like a commercially maintained product with a GUI so I don't have to go kind of digging around in the terminal which is another thing I suppose I don't get the terminal sometimes um, I feel like as a developer I shouldn't be saying this but you know, it was decided decades ago that, that GUIs were the way forward and decades on here we are still still mucking around in a terminal um, in some ways I kind of feel like you know as a programmer it, it kind of makes me feel like a, a real programmer sometimes if I'm in the terminal and you've got loads of stuff flying up you know like scripts running yeah. kind of makes you feel like yeah I'm, I know what I'm doing <laughs> but i <laughs> I just want a GUI for all the things, really. I, I just don't really get what the benefit is at all of using a terminal. You have to remember commands, the feedback you get from programs that you're running in the terminal. Yeah, the f it's so hard to decipher sometimes. Yeah, I yeah. really, really want to disagree with you um, on this one because I, I use the terminal quite a bit. Right. But actually, if I think it through, where the terminal really shines for me is is with things that I'm kind of doing regularly. And I can type quite fast and I know what the commands are. And these are sort of well-trodden paths, you know. These are things that I'm doing sort of day in, day out. Right. And, yeah, for example, like uh, even just um, like administering things like Cartage on, on, a, on a project to pull down my libraries and that sort of stuff. You know, I can do that almost without, almost without looking these days. But some things, when I come back to them, if there's been a long time in between, that's the time I really want the GUI. And, you know, if it's like a sort of a turnkey kind of thing, I just want to turn this service on. I just kind of want this thing to be solved. Mm. Um, that's the time when I really do want uh, a GUI involved. And, you know, I, I, I don't really care. If, if it's a GUI that's manipulating a command line service for me even, then great. You know, that again, like, like I say, it's a, it's a solved problem yeah. at that point. Um, it's, assuming it's got, you know, sensible presets or that sort of stuff. Again, it, it re that then reduces my ability to have to sort of get involved and learn another bit of command line stuff that I'm perhaps only going to use once every six months or whatever. Um, for me, Vagrant was like that because the only time I was ever trying to sort of, you know, spin up a, a web instance or whatever was actually sort of doing small updates on, on the website for GoVJ. That was actually, you know, the, the website that uh, you put together for me through Root Digital. Yeah. And then editing new bits of content and stuff for that and checking it all out. I was spinning up Vagrant on there. Um, and I fell straight into that sort of problem of like, well, okay, I don't remember what the commands are. I've got to pull up the help page to start off with. And this, again, I'm not going to be doing this tomorrow. So once I've done it, it's like that, that memory's in and out. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't get time to build up the muscle memory. And so it was always a bit of a grind. And I kind of found myself almost like editing on prod after a point. <laughs> um, if it was a minor, minor thing, and I was, you know, pretty convinced that I hadn't broke the code of the site because I was just changing a little bit of text, 
I was just sending it up to the server, refreshing and checking it was looking okay and moving on with life because that was quicker than uh, messing around with the with getting the Vagrant instance up and running. Yeah. And I don't see enough people hitting the website every day to, for it to be a real, you know, service outage or something if it goes wrong. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's less than ideal, but it's, it's part of a, a problem of this is a piece of tooling that I don't use very often and like yourself i'd be very happy if it was just a gui to just point and click yeah i I look at all the things i use in the terminal and it's just like why wouldn't i want a gui for this and i I can't think of a reason for any of them like a gui would be better in all cases for me um uh, maybe i'm going to cause some controversy (laughs) for saying all this but (laughs) i just don't get it it's like why why are we using the terminal i mean i guess it you know a gui takes some time to develop so there's that i suppose i i kind of want to put a pin in this and maybe debate this another week yeah it's it's definitely an episode here i can feel it (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely so i think if we can kind of sidestep the the controversy right now um (laughs) save our mentions yeah and uh and just come back around so i'm keen to kind of know well okay so you've gone down this path of trying to figure out well how do you keep things set up for your web development how do you keep that kind of in in sync between the two machines and kind of reduce your sort of the headache of administering that yeah where have you ended up have you found at all yeah mant pro um and so far i really like it one of the biggest issues when i've sort of when i'm developing locally is databases getting out of sync so say i'm working on a wordpress site locally on my imac i then pull the theme across to a wordpress install on my macbook um, and the files are there obviously if they've gone via git and you know, they've gone up to Git from my iMac and I pull them down on my MacBook. All the files come across, that's fine, but you know, the data won't be as the database is still running locally on my iMac. Um, yes. I thought about running a database on my um, on my server and kind of point both installs at that. In fact, Aaron pointed me to that um, on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, who you used to work for. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I did see that. But if so I... essentially you're talking about having like a, a prod server and a staging server, they're both servers that you're then putting stuff on um yeah although that isn't kind of where i ended up because mount pro has a feature which allows you to save your local sites um files databases and all to dropbox um so on my imac i would um go to one of the sites i've got on mount pro click save to cloud and it would push the whole lot up to dropbox i would then jump on my macbook click on the same site that i've got set up click on load from cloud and it pulls down all the files all the databases and and everything brilliant so yeah it's kind of like just one click and i've got exactly the same thing that i had on my macbook just a few minutes ago on my imac and vice versa which is really nice and like with my ios projects i'll still use version control separately to all this i mean this this is more of a way of just getting stuff between machines and it also kind of serves as a bit of a backup for my local sites that i'm developing but it isn't version control, so I'll, I'll kind of layer version control on top of that. Yes, because you're talking specifically um, your working state is essentially what you're you're keeping in sync here. Yes, yes, that's right. So that seems to put a big tick in that box. It just seems to work every time. I haven't found it break on me or do anything weird yet. So that's really nice. That's kind of so that's kind of where I am really. A little bit of iCloud Drive, a little bit of Dropbox, and and Mount Pro. Like I say, it's all early days. Um, yeah. Subject to change, but I guess. Yeah, the core of it is that I want to be in a position where, let's say, I was to go out and buy a new twelve-inch MacBook. Let's say I could log into a couple of services, do a sync, and then I'm in business. 
I think that's a really awesome kind of setup to kind of have as well because, you know, machines fail. And I think these days there's, there's not really a lot of excuses for not having your setup kind of working in a way that lets you recover really, really quickly. Mm. Do you know, I mean, okay, I can understand if you're somebody who is fundamentally against cloud services and keeping your precious data remotely. But I would argue if you're kind of that far across in thinking about your privacy, that maybe there's an awful lot of services you're just not using anyway. And you're probably doing a very, very specific type of development. I might be wrong, um, but I, th- I think for a lot of people, you know, these services are, are within reach. And yeah, I really don't think there's there's too many excuses now not to just sort of explore this stuff, figure out what works, you know, and, and think in terms of um, of the what ifs. Like you say, you know, you could go into a shop and buy a brand new machine and set up. But the what if there is, you know, what if you've managed to spill a drink all over your laptop right now? You've got a really important project. You need to get something done. So you, you know, sort things out to get hold of a new machine in one way or another. You, you've got to get on with your work. You've got to be able to recover the, the thing it is that you're using the machine for as quickly as possible. And I think that includes working states, if possible, to a point. I mean, it's, it's great to be able to, you know have everything in inversion control and you're not going to lose too much if you've only lost like maybe a few hours worth of work but sometimes that is quite important um so yeah the more you can do to sort of have things covered the better okay we'll call that a wrap if you've enjoyed today's show it'd be great if you could leave us a review on itunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in overcast by hitting that star button that will help us reach even more like-minded people Um, also we have our slack channel we'd love to invite you to join our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out if you'd like to join uh, just leave us a message on twitter at wfr podcast and we'll get you signed up so dave before we run off where can people find you you can find me on twitter at dw roboheads that's robohead spelled with a z and you can find my apps at roboheads.com again that's robohead spelled with a z how about you dave you can follow me online at davenot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore Dave Knott.